Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, Episode 43, Adult Children and Their Parents, Part 1. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. And this is Dr. Donna Bevanley helping you heal your family legacy. Hello and welcome back. Um, The last four uh, episodes, I've had guests. I think you probably remember Laura and Linda. Um, They, the uh, brat. (laughs) And then uh, James, my son. And I have to tell you that... um, Having James on the show had was a little bit anxiety-provoking for me because he was going to talk about, you know, growing up, and I was nervous about that because, of course, I'm not a perfect parent. I can, I can tell you that, and I'm not really sure what that is anyway, but um, I was a little worried, a little nervous about that, I got to tell you. But now that it's over, I... I felt that I felt happy and joyful that he was able to be open and honest and didn't feel anxiety himself. He felt like he could be open and honest and you know, I asked him after the show if he if he was nervous about it and he he really wasn't. He was fine with it. And so that kind of leads me into this next episode which is about uh, adults, adult children and their parents and being a parent of an adult child because, you know, I'm an adult child. We all are as adults. We all are still children of our parents. So that's why, you know, that, that, uh, adult children was, uh, that's what that means is that we're still children of our adult parents. And even if we're adults, um, so James is obviously an adult and he has a son of his own. Um, and he's done a great job. He and his wife both have done a wonderful job with their child. 
Um, and I won't take any credit for that because I have to, they live a little bit away, so I don't see them as often as I would like. But because I've been talking about being a child and I've asked you to, to consider, okay, you know, when you, when you hear me talk about abuse, abandonment, and neglect, to consider, uh, thinking about your own history as a child and, and, and as an adolescent. Um, like I said before, a lot of times when I'm talking about child abuse, abandonment, and neglect, people tend to go to what have I done to my own children and how am I, uh, parenting my own children? Um, because, well, most of you who are listening to this are adults and many of you have children. So when I'm talking about abuse, abandonment, and neglect, your brain is going to go to what am I doing now? And so if you've been able to think about, oh, my own life, the way I grew up, the impact that my parents had on me and did, they do their job, teach me what to do and how to do it, which is the job of the parent. Loving your children unconditionally and holding them in high esteem is not actually a job um, because you either do or you don't. And if you don't, you probably need to be looking at what is in the way from that happening. But the actual job the labor-intensive part of the job is teaching children what to do and how to do it. And because they come with a, a new slate um, that's pretty much pure, uh, thinking about how you're doing that is really important, teaching them what to do and how to do it. And being aware that everything you do and say, they will do and say. You know, I... I will say that uh, children do what you do. They say what you say. And that's, that's most of where we get our learning. So we grow up and, oh, they're still there. Our parents are still there. I mean, whether or not they're alive is, you know, it's a different relationship. But even if our parents are not physically in our lives, as adults, they're still there in our hearts, in our soul, in the way we speak, in the way we operate, in what we think, our attitudes, our values, they are absolutely with us all the time. And so, you know, if you're an adult and you find yourself, say, acting in ways that you don't really want to act. And boy, if I heard this as a therapist, I didn't mean to do that. I would never do that. I have people who come, who would come to me and say, say they've been referred because of an alcohol problem or, you know, an anger management issue. And they, you know, I've never heard anyone say, yeah, you know, I really wanted to grow up to be a raging drunk, just like my father or just like my mother. Like people say, I don't ever want to do that. I can't believe it. I would never get behind the wheel of a car after I've been drinking. They say, they say that to me because most of the time when they're in my, my office, they're sober. <laughs> most people don't come in there drunk, although it's happened. 
Um, but even if they're drunk, they say, I would never get behind the wheel of a car. And they're there because of a DUI. Okay? So whatever happened to you as a child is still going on unless you finally decide to turn around and embrace whatever that is that has stopped you from growing, continue to grow, continue to move forward, to continue to pursue your dreams and hopes and to be a good parent yourself. So even if your parents aren't physically there, they're still there. They're inside you. And if you think for a minute that they're not, you're fooling yourselves because they had more of an influence on who you became than any other person and than anyone else. Okay. So, so how does that impact you as a person today? Well, let's just say I've, I've mentioned this before, but let's say you have an alcohol problem. That probably means that either your parent, either one of your parents or both, had an alcohol problem. Or sometimes that disease skips generations, so you also need to look at your grandparents. Because they also live in there, you know. And and if you have relationship issues going on, I could pretty much tell you that if you're in a relationship because you wanted to be there and now there's big problems going on, it's and both of you still are wanting to be there. Yes, their communication. Yes, you know, how we talk about these things. Let's say you come from a family where education hasn't been of prime focus, but, you know, you you grew up in a family where that wasn't an issue, and then you get in a relationship with somebody who's, you know, got 15 years of postgraduate education, there might be some communication issues because you've probably, you know, you're probably, you know, one's uh, communicating on one level and the other is communicating on another level. And each time you try and talk about it, it gets goofy. Okay. So you got to say, okay, so those, you know, those families, those families, all the values, all the things that you know, you were learning in your families. All that is living inside the relationship. I I call it having ghosts in the machine, okay? So you have the two people that are there who want to be, you know, say they're married already and they're trying to start a family or they're trying to figure out where they want to live and they find themselves in conflict over things that they don't need to be in conflict about. That's because there's ghosts in the machine. So you might think, well, they're out of my life now. They, you know, they live across the country. I don't see them very often. They're there and they're sitting right between you. And how do you figure that out? Well, you have to be courageous. You have to say, okay, you know, this thing that I have going on, about where I want to live really isn't about me at all. I think I mentioned that little story right in the beginning about me and my need need to have property everywhere where I was eventually going to retire and that's where I would live out in the middle of nowhere. And then I realized that 
That's just not true. It wasn't real for me. It was real for my parents because they're ranchers and farmers. It wasn't real for me. I'm a therapist. If I think I'm going to live out in the middle of nowhere and run a practice, well, right now I could probably do it if I had a really good internet. But, you know, when I was actually going in the office, that would mean I'd have to be traveling a long distance every day and traveling a long distance again where, you know, sometimes I might not make it because the snow might be too deep or there might be, you know, flash floods or something. That's ridiculous. I had to be available. I had to be available. If somebody needed hospitalization, I had to be available. I couldn't live in the middle of nowhere. And so far, it's like, when I finally realized that, I had chunks of property that I already bought that were just sitting around. So I had to say, I got to stop doing that. <laughs> and it felt like, no, I can't really stop doing that. It felt such like such a strong thing. And, you know, my partner finally said, enough. <laughs> That's enough. We have enough property wherever we are. Don't know more. And it just felt like I was like maybe cutting off a piece of myself because it was so powerful. But looking at your own life and saying, does this really, is this really me? Is this really what matters to me? Is this really something that I want? Or is it something that, well, we've always just done it this way. That's important. And even if you have siblings, they might not have that same thing that you have. So, you know, you can't look at them necessarily and say, oh, yeah, we all do this. No, that is not true. It's like you remember Linda and Laura talking about, you know, they grew up in the same family, doing the same kinds of things, living in the same house. And Linda turned out to be kind of like a comedian. And Laura went off and, you know, became a college professor. And what they find uh, in their lives as their direction took completely different directions, but it was still all about what happened to them when they grew up, all right? So if you find yourself not getting what you want in your life, not being able to fulfill your dreams and your hopes. And let me just, you know, I'm going to take a side note here. It's like, so if you're not a, one of the world's billionaires, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about your hopes and dreams for yourself. Like if you really wanted to uh, teach uh, high school, but you're not, let's just say you are, you know, working in the tech industry. So you have to say, why am I not doing what I really wanted to do? Or let's say you wanted to have a large family and you have no children. It's like, what happened there? What was it? You know, what's happened here? I'm a full grown adult. I have freedom. And so if I have freedom and I'm not fulfilling my hopes and dreams, what is that about? 
So you don't want to get to be, say, oh, my age and say, gee, I didn't feel, fulfill my hopes and dreams. I guess I better figure those out so I can get that done. Well, if one of your hopes and dreams was to have a family and you're my age, it might be a little complicated. It might not be what you hoped it would be, but you could still create something for yourself if that would be one of your hopes and dreams. But I'm talking about those kinds of hopes and dreams. Or let's say you wanted to, you know, have a relationship that lasted for your life. And you've been, this is your fifth marriage. You might want to say, okay, that's not what I'm really planning for my life. I need to look at, you know, where'd that come from? Because once you clear out those ghosts and you sweep out (laughs) the garbage that goes with it, you might be surprised that there's now space for you let's say, emotional and spiritual space for you to identify your own hopes and dreams and to really go after them, okay? And and focus on getting those hopes and dreams because, like I've already said, probably many times, because this is one of the Donna-isms I've heard, is that this isn't a dress rehearsal, people. This is your life. And as time is ticking by, And you're still not doing and going in the direction that you always wanted to go. And you keep bumping into things that you can't seem to work out or move out of the way. Don't give up. Stop. You know, turn around and see what kinds of, you know, little little monsters are after you. (laughs) Because if you don't do it, they'll just keep following you around and biting you in the butt. And you'll wonder, say when you're my age or even older, it's like you might say, wow, I, it's like I'm, I'm all alone. I don't seem to have anybody in my life that cares about me. And it's harder as you get older to create those relationships. They still can be created, and I know that they are. Now, I know that people even find new relationships. Now, in, say, they're in assisted living and they find new relationships, but it's harder to establish relationships as you age, especially as you are elderly, because people die. And they also have families, maybe. And so you might have trouble having those relationships, and, oh, here's a newsflash for you. One of the worst things that you can do to yourself as you age is to isolate from other people. There's all kinds of research that shows that as you age, if you isolate, you are cutting off years of your life because of depression, because you... You know, you're not interacting with people, so you're not using your brain very much, and it creates all kinds of problems. So you really want to look at, you know, where are the hopes, why are my hopes and dreams being sidetracked? Okay, now, I will say all of this is, right now anyway, 
is within the context of a pandemic. And for those of us who know that there is a pandemic going on and we are taking precautions, it might be harder to look at, okay, the hopes and dreams I always had, those are the ones I want to have now and I want to move forward, but the pandemic might impair that ability. But it's not going to be here forever. And we can still, you know, be really creative and working around it. So let's say, you know, part of my hopes and dreams was to be in close relationship with any grandchildren that I might have. But now, in in order for me to do that, and this would have been true anyway, so in order for me to do that, I have to travel and stay someplace other than my own home because it's too far for a day trip. Well, let's see. I'm elderly. I have underlying health conditions. And so for me to go and stay in a hotel or even, a, you know, an Airbnb or something is risky. You know, A, I have to, you know, stop on the way and, you know, use the bathroom probably, you know, once or twice. And, and I'm going to be running into people. And being around people I don't know, knowing their vaccination status, knowing, you know, seeing that they're not wearing a mask is very stressful. And I don't I don't want to take the risk of dying from COVID so that I can fulfill that dream. But so I found ways around it. I still can't, you know, be as involved as I'd like to be. But this pandemic won't rule the world forever. God, I hope not anyway. <clears throat> and I I still get to see him. I still get to be in relationship with him. And, you know, it's a lot it's a lot more work and it takes a lot more planning, but that's okay. You see, so I had this image that I'd be driving there, six-hour drive, I'd be driving there, staying at Airbnb for a couple weeks and hanging out and taking care of him, and I can't do that now. But I've been able to be there for sometimes, you know, be there sometimes and do that sometimes. It's it's uh, gives me some anxiety, but I take as much care as I possibly can. So you see, my point, though, is that you might have hopes and dreams and you might be going in that direction. Okay. But here's the deal for me growing up in the family. I did. We had to stay flexible. That was just the way it was. I mean, I I might've mentioned this little story once, but when I was in the fifth grade, we were living on a ranch in California and, uh, I've, you know, my dad, he, he was rodeo cowboy and he was, um, well, he was a rancher and he would go, you know, work on other people's ranches when we, when he was young and I was young. Uh, and so when he would still have conflict with people though, I mean, he had just, that was just kind of how he rolled. He, he was a real gregarious guy and he, 
you know, he could make friends with people all over the world. Um, but, you know, to sit down and really have long-term relationships, there would be conflict. And so he had, you know, in the fifth grade, we're in this two-room schoolhouse up in the mountains. And I look out the window and there's the car. There's my parents' car. It's all packed up. Things are on top. Things are, you know, hanging out. And I'm thinking, what are they doing here? And my mother walks in and says, hi, we're moving. That's it. That's like as much. I think Lauren Linda had that kind of situation, not as Beverly Hillbilly-like as we did. But, you know, it was so, so as a result of that, I am still pretty flexible. If something gets in the way, because of the way I grew up, if something gets in the way, I just start finding ways to work around it. Okay, like a pandemic gets in the way. Or let's say, you know, like, oh, you have an illness. Or let's say you lose a leg or, you know, it's like what, you know, how you manage that will be a direct result of how you grew up. And you would say, well, people can get amazing, you know, they can do amazing things. Well, they can, and especially if they were encouraged to do it or they had to do it to survive. I personally think that, you know, children shouldn't be in a situation where they're trying to figure out a way to survive every day. But more, they would be in relationships with parents who are teaching them how to be flexible. So that when the kid comes home from school and has a, you know, has found that something's in their way of getting something done or getting something that they want, even in their childhood life, how can we manage this? How can we, you know, first let's see, is that really important goal or is that really an important thing? And if it is, how are we going to work around it or through it to get, to get what we want? Okay, so for me, it was like I had to be flexible. It was a survival issue because if I wasn't flexible and those things happened frequently, I would be a basket case when something didn't go the way I was hoping it would go. All right, so it's it's important to look at what those, what I call ghosts in the machine when you find that you are not getting what you want in life? And is the reason that I would say, look at your family of origin, look at your own childhood, to identify where things got off kilter for you, where they went off track, where you didn't learn what you needed to learn. Okay? And that and that goes for... You know, I'll, I'll end this with a funny story about when you grow up like I did. All right. So we lived out in the middle of nowhere all the time. We went to lots of schools, little two-room schoolhouses. Sometimes we were in you know, regular small town schools. But the I never went anywhere where there were more than, say, you know, 8,000 people was the largest place I ever went until I went to college. I I was like, wow, this is a big place and there sure are a lot of people here. But as a result of, you know, the way we grew up, we missed out on knowing a lot of things because we didn't have TV. 
right? We did have radio, but we didn't have TV. And so when I was like out of college and I was with friends, and if any of my friends back then are listening, they'll remember this rather amusing story. So I didn't, I knew about buses, but I thought buses were school buses. Okay. Where would I learn about public transportation? <laughs> I wouldn't. So I thought when you talked about buses, I thought yellow yeah, well, school buses or orange, whatever they are, school buses. So I'm with my friends one time and we're in Arizona, we're in Phoenix, and we're all going out to, you know, to hit the clubs or whatever. And we go by, you know, this place, a Greyhound racing. And one of my friends said, hey, you know, we ought to go watch the Greyhounds race. And I thought, you know, I'd, I'd seen that over and over again. And it really bothered me because we were in an oil crisis then. <laughs> and finally I said, well, okay, I do not see the value of watching a bunch of buses race. I just don't see it. Why is why do people think this is so cool? Because it had a sign. That's the only thing I ever saw. A sign with a greyhound racing, like on the side of a bus, right? And, and I thought that's what they were doing in there. I thought they were racing buses. Well, my friends laughed and laughed. They thought that was the funniest thing they ever heard. But you see, when I grew up, I remember seeing a Greyhound bus once when my mother was leaving to go visit my grandma. And I saw the bus with the Greyhound. And then I saw yellow buses. And that's all I knew. I certainly didn't know about dog races. Where would I have learned that? We had no, I had no concept. I had no, I had no ability to know what that was. Because that's not what we did. I, we weren't even around. I didn't know they raised horses. And I grew up on ranches, all right? So to race an animal against each other was out of my wheelhouse. And so we all had a big laugh about that. It was one of many where I realized that, you know, I kind of grew up in the back hills someplace. So that doesn't, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that when I went into the bigger world, I I went in with some deficits. And on that note, having those deficits from my, you know, growing up in my family of origin, which I don't regret, um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it on that note. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2021, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.